morning, Goldendale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop here, on another thrilling, thought-provoking Thursday for Torch Report 470, the logical evaluation of the Israeli situation. Today we'll be putting the, uh, the war in Israel into a proper logical context and then evaluating the implications. Because, friends, as you know, there is always always more to the story and you know the last couple of days I've been kind of hammering on the religious triggers that kind of rapidly yanked the majority of Americans perspective away from the political corruption right here at home all the things we were dealing with right here at home and then all of a sudden you know the American mind the psyche has been trained upon the urgent need to support Israel at all costs now I've been again hammer I've been pointing out hammering on the fact that I believe this is a religious trigger. They're triggering, they're taking advantage of uh, conditioned religious triggers. And I'm well aware that I've been swimming against the current on this one. You know, it's as if the whole of American society is swirling around the drain of a massive communal shitter, and I've been desperately trying to somehow escape the fate of getting sucked into it. And as I've said, you know, What's happening in Israel is a tragedy, but it does not negate the very real issues that we are dealing with, need to be dealing with, supposed to be dealing with right here on the American home front. What's happening in Israel does not negate the fact that the globalists recently accelerated their plans to forcibly impose the new world order a la the Great Reset and Agenda 2030. It does not negate the fate of our nation in the face of these overarching trajectories. What's happening in Israel does not negate the fact that our economy is teetering on the brink of total collapse. It does not negate the fact that the global cabal is trying to capture the food supply, or the fact that the techno-elites are trying to systematically enslave the whole of humanity and the great inescapable socialist surveillance state. Friends, it does not negate the fact that our own weaponized government is working with these commie bastards against the American people, or the fact that the public psyche is being methodically manipulated and subconsciously tamed by some very bad people. All of that is, in fact, happening. Despite the fact that most Americans are now fully fixated on what's happening in Israel, none of these factors have gone away. And dare I say again, friends, all of these factors and much, much more are much, 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 much more important that's to, to our fate as Americans than what's happening in the Middle East. That is a fact. And yet suddenly, somehow, it's as if none of this even matters because nothing else matters now. The, the majority of conservatives are entirely grossed at this point in the minutia of the Israeli conflict. Oh my gosh, you got to get buff up on the history. What's going on with the Palestinians? Well, you know, you know, the Israeli embassy and this. Okay. All of a sudden, that is the only thing that matters. How much do you know about Israel? How much do you support Israel? That's the only thing that matters. 
and many conservative circles. And, and similarly, the majority of Christians who often run in the same circles, a lot of overlap there, uh, many Christians have quickly become consumed with biblical prophecy. It's the end of days. Have you read Ezekiel or Isaiah or Revelations? You know, it's the end of days, friends. It's Armageddon, Gog and Magog, and it's the second coming of Christ. We're waiting for the seventh seal to blow it. Boom! You know? And many people in both circles, you know, seem to have resigned themselves to this belief that we are in the end times, and thus there's nothing we can do about it but just throw up our hands and wait for the rapture. Well, look, I mean, come on, Luke. I mean, we all know how this is going to play out, right? I mean, God wins, so I mean, come on, you know. Let's just sit back and eat some popcorn, right? Uh, which seems to imply, correct me if I'm wrong, but that, that, that mentality seems to imply that fighting for our country, fighting for a future worth having, fighting for future generations has somehow, it just becomes unnecessary. That's a lost cause. God's got this. You know, we don't really need to fight for, you know, to preserve the blessings of liberty for future generations because Jesus is going to save us all. And for the record, friends, despite, you know, what I believe about all of that, the, the, the mentality of it really pisses me off. You know, it, it, not only is this, this resignation to prophecy in the end times a completely worthless mindset, it is a scripturally inaccurate cop-out that leads directly to an apathetic acceptance of evil. That is the truth. You know, metaphorically speaking, friends, it's hiding your light under a bushel. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Now, militarily... By this resignation of just, oh, you know, Jesus, you know, we're just waiting for Christ to come back. That's it. You know, God's got this one. Okay. That military, militarily, from a military perspective, it's like waving the white flag of surrender. It's dropping your weapon, tucking your tail, hanging your head, and just kind of stumbling into the arms of the enemy. To my Christian brothers and sisters, know this. No one knows the hour or the day. The Lord will come like a thief in the night. Faith without works is dead. Do not just put your faith in God in the second coming and then don't do a damn thing about what's happening right now. Fight to the bitter end. So if you find yourself suddenly fixated on the events in Israel and consumed with reading the signs of the times, please, please, please understand this is all utterly fruitless. It does nothing to preserve the blessings of liberty for your children and future generations. It does nothing to root out the political corruption of our time. It does nothing to restore justice and the balance of power in our constitutional republic. In essence, it does not a damn thing, not one bit of good to sit around high on hopium waiting for Jesus to return. Friends, that mentality does nothing to stave off the advancing enemy. And that's why I believe they're using all these triggers. They're triggering the religious conviction to get people to just eat their popcorn and wait. Kumbaya. Okay? But don't stop fighting before the war is over. Many generations have thought that they were living in the end times, right? I mean, we all know that. Yeah, well, yeah, they thought that before. They were reading the signs of the times. There were wars and rumors and wars and all these prophecy was being fulfilled. And yet here we are. So please, you know, review the scriptures. Matthew 24, 6. No one knows the hour of the day. No one, not even the angels in heaven. 
Okay? Review the scriptures. The Lord will come like a thief in the night. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, 2. And then, of course, my favorite, faith without works is dead. Don't sit around and tell me you got faith in biblical prophecy and then not do anything. You're sitting on your hands waiting for Christ to return, okay? James 2.26 says that faith without works is dead. So put your faith into action and fight and fight and fight and fight and never stop fighting before this war is over. Please. <laughs> I feel very strongly about this. So now friends, if, if, you, uh, if you're tuning in today and you haven't heard the last couple of reports, if you'd like to better understand how your faith and your religious convictions, our faith and religious convictions are being co-opted, uh, misappropriated by the ruling class. And they're, they're doing this it's for the purpose of political conditioning. Uh, that, that's what's currently being used against you. It's being used against us. Uh, you might want to go back and recap on my previous analysis of these religious triggers. Torch Report 468, uh, are the global forces gathering for Armageddon? Torch Port 469, sometimes the truth hurts. Now then, <laughs> with that said, friends, uh, getting all that out of the way, rather than repeat and regurgitate all of these sensational headlines that you will no doubt be bombarded and inundated with throughout the day, I, I want to kind of pivot away from the religious triggers and all the sensational headlines, and I, I want to frame the situation in a strictly logical fashion. I want to start out with some cold, hard numbers from the good old CIA fact book, which states uh, that, you know, well, let me just say this, you know, let's put Israel into a proper geographical framework. The CIA fact book tells us that the nation of Israel is just slightly larger than the state of New Jersey. Now, New Jersey is the fifth smallest state. Israel has about, you know, 21,000 and change square kilometers. New Jersey has about 19,000 and change. Okay, you know, Israel has approximately 9 million people. New Jersey has about 9.3 million people. Okay, so Israel and the state of New Jersey, they're about the same size. they got the same number of people. All right, that kind of gives us a good... Uh, mental reference, right? New Jersey's not very big. You think about the map of the United States, you know, put New Jersey into the context of the United States as a whole. Hey, and by the way, friends, if you're listening on a podcast platform like Spotify or Apple, iHeartRadio, etc. Uh, please know you just have to go to thetorchreport.com, thetorchreport.com, check out Torch Report 470, and you'll see this, uh, these, these images of Israel overlaying New Jersey about the same size. And then, you know, putting New Jersey into context, it's this tiny little state over on the eastern seaboard, up in the northeast. By the way, I used to live up in Massachusetts, so I'm kind of familiar with that area. It's not very big. So when you look at the map of the United States and you see New, Jer New Jersey, it's in the map on the report, it says a little, you know, it's highlighted as red. Try to imagine that all of the states surrounding New Jersey viciously hated the people living in New Jersey. Imagine, for example, you know, that the, the people in New York and Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, Connecticut, Maryland, and Delaware, that they, those people actually hated the people in New Jersey so much that they didn't even believe the people in New Jersey had the right to exist. In fact, imagine the majority of these states surrounding New Jersey actually swearing that they will do whatever it takes, come hell or high water, to absolutely eradicate the people of New Jersey off the face of the earth. Can you imagine that? I mean, that's kind of crazy, right? But this is, in fact, exactly what's happening 
in the Middle East, as unthinkable as it is. This is exactly what's happening in the Middle East. And so I put another map in there. It shows the Middle East. And it's got this big swath of countries from Morocco uh, and Mali all the way over to Kazakhstan and, Iran, you know, Saudi Arabia, Iran, you know, Turkey to Ethiopia, Somalia, all of this, you know. And in the midst of this, all those countries, by the way, are green. Uh, in the midst of this is a tiny red speck, and that's Israel right, on the eastern, far eastern part of the Mediterranean Sea. And the significance of all this green versus that tiny red speck in that map is that it's Muslims versus Jews. Muslims versus Jews. That green swath that stretches, stretches throughout the Middle East, northern, northern Africa, Western Asia, those are all Muslim-majority countries. And they hate the Jews with a passion. They hate the Jews who live in Israel. And, you know, it, this is a religious feud, right? The, the Jews versus the Muslim. It goes way, 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 way back. And, and of course, for the record, of course, the Muslims hate Americans too. That's just the way it is. As a matter of fact, many of those very same countries uh, have pledged to wipe Americans off the face of the earth as well. I'm thinking they're just a little bit out there. And it doesn't really matter why they believe that, they think that, they have their reasons. They have their reasons for hating Jews. They have their reasons for hating Americans. They just do. And, you know, just to be real, there is absolutely zero chance that we are ever going to change these people's minds. Zero. Uh, and that simple fact has powerful implications. If you think about it militarily, you know, Hamas attacks Israel. Israel attacks Hamas. Hamas attacks Israel, Israel talks, attacks Hamas, you know, uh, the Jews, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the Muslims attack the Jews, the Jews attack the Muslims. It goes back and forth. Friends, it's a highly predictable pattern here. It's played out over and over again in that tiny red speck on the other side of the planet with all those Muslim countries looking on. But this time, this time it's different, right? I mean, this time, some of the other Muslim countries are apparently getting in on the action. Maybe it's Syria. Maybe it's Jordan. You know, they're launching their own attacks against Israel. And Israel and the Israelis, of course, they're bombing their airports in retaliation. So things are escalating quickly over there in the sandbox of the Middle East, over there in that tiny red speck on the other side of the planet. Now, it's in this context of escalating war in the Middle East that the United States has pledged an unwavering commitment to provide military support for Israel, no matter what, you know. We've sent two aircraft carriers along with many other warships halfway around the world to park in the backyard of our sworn enemies. That's the context. And, in reality, despite the fact that Biden is out there claiming the American economy is booming, Biden's economy is booming, it's, it, our economy is vibrant enough. I mean, we can simultaneously fund wars in Ukraine and Israel. You know, despite those lies, military officials, U.S. military officials, have been sounding the alarm about the dangerous depletion of our weapons in our arsenal, the U.S. arsenal is being you know, rapidly depleted because we're shipping all of our ammo over to Ukraine. And what that means is that we are pledging endless military support for yet another war, despite the fact that our own military is running out of ammo. And I put a screenshot in here of a bunch of links. The West is running out of stocks of weapons. NATO admits that it's running out of ammo. The U.S. military is running low on ammo. U.S. is running low on some weapons and all that kind of stuff. So just pause for a second. 
<sighs> Let's ask the obvious logical question. Why are we doing this? Why are we sending, uh, why are we pledging military support? Why are we sending aircraft carriers, military equipment, and personnel over to the Middle East and the other side of the planet? Uh, when, when our own, you know, military is depleted, we're running out of ammo. We don't even have the means to defend ourselves very well as, as good as we should perhaps. Right. And so why are we doing this? Why are we pledging endless support to Israel? Now, if your answer is because it's the right thing to do, Luke, do the right thing. Cause it's the right thing to do. That's fine. That's fine. If that's the answer, that's fine. But then ask, why is this the right thing to do? And if your answer has anything to do with because these are God's chosen people, please go back and review Torch Report 468 and Torch Report 469 for some clarification on the biblical perspective on the underlying assumptions going on there, okay? The truth is, American taxpayers send billions of dollars to Israel every single year. And we've been pledging this kind of support to, to the Israelis for the last 75 years, but it hasn't always been that way, okay? It has not always been that way. Israel hasn't always been our greatest ally. It hasn't always been like, oh my gosh, we've got to do everything to save Israel. That has not always been the case, okay? So if, you know, if the Bible hasn't changed that much in the last 200 you know, years or the last 75 years, let's just stay there, what has changed in the public psyche that all of a sudden we have to pledge all of the support to Israel in the last 75 years? I would say. It's political conditioning. Now, the fact that we've been sending billions of dollars to Israel and we've just pledged endless support even though we can't afford it, uh, this is, is all true despite the fact that there are concerns, there's been pushback on this from elected representatives on both sides of the political spectrum. Rand Paul's out there right now challenging all of this, but this has been happening from the beginning. Uh, people challenging like, what are we doing? doing here? Why are we sending all these billions of dollars to Israel? What exactly is, is that all about? And when I evaluate that, to me, the takeaway is that all of this support is ultimately being solicited by a very small percentage of the American uh, political class, the American population. And I find that perfectly fascinating. If you've got uh, bipartisan opposition to sending billions of dollars and pledging endless military support to Israel. Why are we doing that? Now, if you think about it, though, it makes sense. You got to kind of think it through, you know, and if, if we kind of play with our analogy here and pretend that everyone in New Jersey, okay, back to the, the, the you know, the relatable analogy, Let's pretend that everyone in New Jersey really wanted to have some fancy new gadgets because these fancy new gadgets would make them feel safe and secure in the middle of their hostile neighbors. And as such, the state of New Jersey sends out some ambassadors. And these ambassadors, they schmooze and they whine and they dine the elected officials in the states on the other side of the country, say California, Washington, and Oregon. And... Those states on the other side of the country, they're so far removed away from New Jersey, they really don't understand what's happening. They don't understand the complexity of the situation in New Jersey. Now, let's say the elected officials in several Western states, they felt this pull on their heartstrings and like, oh my gosh. And so they loosen the purse strings and they start sending money. They start sending billions of dollars to New Jersey so that New Jersey could build their fancy new gadgets uh, and, and, you know, 
since most people don't pay any you know, attention to the political process, most people don't realize this is even happening. All of this funneling of money, billions of taxpayer dollars being sent to New Jersey, this goes on for generations, and no, or maybe at least a generation nobody even notices. But then something bad happens, and all of a sudden, New Jersey is attacked by their enemies. And now, all of a sudden, the billions upon billions of dollars worth of fancy new gadgets are not enough. And now, the Western citizens are told there is a desperate need to send even more military equipment, even more military personnel, all the way across the country, just in case New Jersey needs help fighting off their enemies. It's a head-scratcher. Now, all of a sudden, the citizens in the West are starting to watch their sons and daughters get packed up and shipped off to war on the other side of the country. And some of these parents begin to wonder, why? Why are we going to war? What will our children be dying for again? And hey, aren't we kind of sort of picking a fight on the other side of the country? I mean, like a long, long ways away, we're picking fight with people that we don't even really have beef with, right? And... Can someone please explain to me how this is in our best interest? And, and, and besides, I mean, aren't we running a little thin on our own defense systems? I mean, we've been just sending all this stuff out everywhere. I mean, aren't we, aren't we already facing like an increasingly unstable amount of debt right now? How can we actually afford this war? given the simple facts at hand, you know? Uh, I mean, even if we gave the government all of our money, we still wouldn't be able to afford this war. So, so what are we fighting for again? Why is it worth that? I don't know, you know? And besides, you know, haven't these people been killing each other for eons? Isn't it just a little foolish to think that sacrificing our sons and daughters and our economy and our national security is somehow going to stop these people from hating each other? It's going to stop them from killing each other? Isn't it just going to make all of these Eastern peoples hate us all the more? Doesn't that worsen the risk of being attacked right here at home, even as our troops and, our, and equipment are being spread out abroad? Friends, doesn't that seem like a stupid idea? And by the way, Weren't there some other issues that we needed to be dealing with? <laughs> oh, that's right, friends. Don't take your eye off the ball. We have so many things more important to be dealing with. We'll get more into this uh, tomorrow. I see the time here going a little bit long. Thanks for staying with me, friends. Uh, just remember, resist we must. <laughs> resist the urge to sacrifice it all for the sake of some distraction in a far-off land, friends. And that is the message of my heart for today. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to go to the website, thetorchreport.com. Find the heart, click the heart, give me some love, subscribe if you have not subscribed already, and of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know. And get out there and embrace the rest of this thrilling, thought-provoking Thursday. I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.